Here we go. This is Blue 42. We're going to go red, right, tight, close, sprint, left, GU corner, halfback, flat, on two. Ready, right. Now here's your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Blue 42. Blue 42. Good morning, Brock. How are you now? Good morning, Paulie. I'm doing well on this Monday. You? Eh, not so bad. Can't not complain. So bad. Yeah. Good weekend. Yeah, it was a good weekend. Went to Ray's yesterday in Ballard. Oh. Did you, did you go to the cafe or did you go to the boathouse? Uh, upstairs, downstairs. Upstairs deck. Nice. Oh, that's one of my favorite spots. It was really nice weather. Too. Oh. Got a nice little tan. Yeah. What, what'd you have? Fish uh, tacos? We got uh, the fish, uh, crab, the crab dip. And uh, calamari. It's really good. Really Ooh. good. The calamari is excellent. Ooh, good yeah. Call. Yeah, it was good, good stuff. Ray, Ray's Cafe, one of my top five places in Seattle. It was awesome. And then we got to watch uh, seals afterwards, which was funny. There, there were a bunch of seals on this like little buoy to the side of it. Made me laugh. Anywho, uh, question number one, Brock, because they were all like getting up on it and knocking each other off. And seals embarking. or sea lions? Can you tell the difference? No, I can't. No. Okay. Oof, oof, oof. They all sound the same. Uh, question one. This has to do with the last offensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks and, and how he compares to the new one. Tyler Lockett was on with us on Friday, and he made some comments that jumped out to uh, Maura Dooley, who I'm glad she brought it to our attention. There's this one word you want to listen for here. You know, I've been in, I've been on the team for six years, so, you know, the way that we did a lot of the stuff, it was easy to remember. And so when you're having to learn a whole different type of terminology – with some of the similar routes or whatever the case may be, but it's, they're being called different words. Now it's just being able to have to really buckle down and, and have to teach yourself like this whole entire philosophy and this whole entire, you know, termination and all that different type of stuff. Um, I think it's a really nice offense. You know, it's just, it's really, really sophisticated. And so you really have to be able to, to know a bunch of stuff. He said the word sophisticated a, a couple of times in that interview. Mm-hmm. And how sophisticated was Brian Schottenheimer's offense? And comparatively, how sophisticated do you expect Shane Waldron's to be? Well, this is going to have a little bit more movement. It's going to have a little more pre-snap. You know, I, I think this is also, I think that furthers what we've talked about an awful lot. And, and that is that Pete went outside the box on this one. That I think Shadi tried to keep a lot of the language that Daryl Bevel used, frankly, like Alabama and Nick Saban have done. You know, Nick Saban has brought in how many different coordinators over the years, offensively and defensively, but the one thing that he has asked all of those guys, Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian to Bill O'Brien now, is you are going to learn the language here. I do not want the players to have to relearn everything. You are the, I'd rather have one than 45. So you're going to be the one to, to learn it because these guys are already versed in this language. And, yeah, for the first time in seven years now or plus, you're going to have a new language for Tyler Lockett to learn, for Russell Wilson to learn, for this offensive line to learn. And in some ways, I think you hear from Tyler, that can be invigorating. That, that can be a new challenge for him. I do hope there's an opportunity to get to some OTAs and, and they make the decision like some of these other teams have. Uh, already with rookie mini camps and otherwise to, to get together and start to, to learn this and put it put it into practice because it's one thing for Tyler to be reading it at home and looking at it and conversing with his position coach and Russell. It's quite another to actually get on the field and start executing a whole new language. Brock, there's a part of me when I hear that, all I hear is that Shoddy was simple. 
All, all, all I hear was that what they were doing before wasn't very complicated. Am I reading too much into it? I said that about Bevel, too, right? I mean, Oh, that's true. Yeah, though, Bevel is just kind of simple. They run the same plays over and over again. I don't know. I mean, I watched Peyton Manning run the same plays for 18 years, whether it was in Indy or in Denver on third down. Here comes, you know, around. In fact, one of the coaches in, in the Spring Lake, Bart Andrus uh, from, from the Generals, was like, yeah, you know, we only have about 15 concepts, you know, a few of them are West Coast, uh, one of them's Indy, and I'm like, oh, Indy, is that the little five-yard in? Yeah, and then the two five-yard ins out of trips? Yeah, yeah, how do you know that? Well, that's because Indy's run it for 18 years, and Peyton did, so sometimes there's beauty and simplicity when it works, when there's tremendous execution, uh, and when it doesn't, you become a simpleton, and, you know, that's, uh, that's all about the production and the execution. With all the times that Pete Carroll has brought up the intricate complexity of simplicity with the defense it makes sense to assume that there is to some way shape or form that also on the offense there is now you know i think case in point was the the pick six in the playoff game and where they very clearly had a read had a bead on that concept and and their players the rams afterwards talked about that and and had a sense and actually beat david moore to the punch they ran the play better than david moore did that can't happen you know that's one of those areas and 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 it's not as if that screen pass was the featured component of the seattle seahawks offense in 2020 but you know that that is what you're hoping to avoid, and with more "quote unquote" sophistication, with more terminology, with more pre-snap movement, with the ability to disguise and make you know a similar play. You know, here's one of the beauties of that of that scheme, and you've heard this for years, because they talk about the simplicity of it. They talk about the illusion of complexity in Sean McVay's system. Because they run similar plays, but they just do it from a number of different looks, a number of different personnel groups, a number of different motions. I think more than anything, that's what Tyler was getting at with you guys on Friday. I, I, I'd just like to say this, Brock. Um, it, when I put together my handbook for how to deal with stupid questions from the press, in the regular season, if somebody asks you about problems that you may be experiencing – all coaches and players are encouraged to talk about getting back to basics. Getting the basics, Danny. Get back to the that, fundamentals. That's what you do, right? And yes. No, it's just the little things. Because the, the alternative is that, no, it's something bigger in that we're not as talented, our players are stupid, and it's too late <laughs> to change it now. So it has to be, we got to focus on the little things. We just need yes. to make sure. Fundamentals. In the, in the off season, it comes like more global. We're scheming. We're talking about something different. We're expanding ourselves. Like you're coming up with a better mousetrap. That is in, in the in the regular season. It's all about the fundamentals. in in the, In the off season, it's all about the big global picture. And in the preseason, it's all about I'm in the best shape of my life. <laughs> and and keeping things. You don't want to show anything too exotic. Mm-hmm. You, you you do not want to be too exotic uh, in the preseason. Very vanilla. Question two. I could write a really successful handbook in that regard. Brock, Tom Brady, according to the NFL Network, made an impassioned plea on a conference call with the NFLPA on Monday or on Friday. And what he said was, big league pitchers do not throw mid-90s in December. NFL coaches are overly training players in the offseason. And he was encouraging guys not to go to this voluntary work. As a son of a coach, how does that hit you? Yeah, I wonder if my buddy Dane Looker heard that sound. 
and, and what he did when he heard it. Because Dane Looker was in New England when Tom Brady was on the practice squad, and Tom Brady threw relentlessly. He wanted to work relentlessly. He wanted to spend every minute of every hour of every day of his life trying to prove people wrong. And nobody worked harder than Tom Brady in season, out of season, off season, preseason. So I wonder what what Dane thought when he heard that sound from now a 20-year veteran, the greatest of all time, if he could ever reflect back to those early days, which is, I don't know, about 80% of the league who makes near league minimum that is trying to fight for their opportunity in their lives. And and I said this to you guys uh, last week that I'd have a chance to call it Spring League, and it was fascinating. These guys pay their own way. If they're not in an NFL camp, they had to pay a couple thousand bucks to be a part of this thing, to just try to continue to keep their dream alive. And if they get injured, now these teams don't have you know comprehensive insurance. They better have their own insurance. So, yeah, I, I find it, I don't know. Not peculiar. Tom has every right to, to stand on the ground that he wants to stand on and, and have the opinion that he has. But to speak on behalf of so many that are just trying to to get their first year, Danny, to, to, to get to four years and get some semblance of a pension, I think you got to be careful. You know, if I were in that position, I think I'd be pretty careful um, speaking to the entirety of the group that, as we've talked about before, why is the NFLPA the weakest of all of them? Because it's the most diverse when it comes to the spectrum of of stability and money and contracts and guarantees. Is there a way to get somebody that doesn't have Brady's clout that's in that group that you just described, Brock, to actually have the same kind of platform to say otherwise or to say the same thing that Tom said? I mean, possibly, but I think a lot of those guys do want to work and get better. They're not the greatest of all time. And, and I would say this, compared to what it was 20 years ago, these off-seasons, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Compared to 40 years ago, where they started training camp July 1st and, and had how many preseason games and how many weeks of two-a-days? I mean, there's been an evolution of, of safety protocol and, and much of it in the, in the right direction. Even training camp can't have a double day, can't be in pads twice. I mean, there's been an acceleration of taking care of the players, but... My goodness gracious, if 10 or 12 OTA practices in the offseason are too much, I, I you're just not going to hear me or I think too many in that middle class and certainly trying to climb into this league have, uh, I think, a rebuttal against that. I, I agree with you, Brock. Like, I, I, think, I think your point is really well stated. The counter argument would be that coaches really don't care about the health of players 35 through 53 in that. If that guy gets hurt, we'll go find the next best guy for that job. Mm -hmm. I I believe they really care about the health of their top 20 players. And that's why you see a lot of veterans that aren't doing much in the offseason. But when it comes to being really legitimately concerned about, hey, we need to have this guy for all 16 games, I I think those guys at the back third of the roster are seen, coaches would never use this term, as largely disposable. It's why you hear, like, we're going to need some more bodies. Yep. I think a lot of them, Danny, are replaceable. I, I think you got to be a little careful because some of those tend to be draft picks that you know coach, coaches and personnel people's jobs kind of can depend they do, on. They do want to, yeah, yeah, they want to see those guys get right. But but you're right that the bottom churn of that roster and and you know certainly once you get to players 45 through 80 in camp, many of those are totally replaceable. But those 45 through 80 in their mind believe. I just need my chance. I need my door to open. I need to get in there, and I need to play and show them Chris Carson is a seventh-round pick. 
Richard Sherman is a fifth-round pick. Doug Baldwin is an undrafted free agent. I need to just show them that I cannot just play in this league, but I can star in this league, as all those guys have. Question three. Hey, look, the NCAA is perhaps laxing some of the restrictions that they had on athletes to be able to earn side cheddar for their own likeness. And I imagine back in the day, Brock, ooh, mm. pulling some of that Puyallup, uh, mm. that Puyallup money into the coffers as you continue your scholarship career at UW. Right. <laughs> yes. Well, I think when you've got 10 states that have some some form of legislation in place when it comes to name, image, and likeness to start to allow these guys to, to make some of that revenue, I think that kind of forces the issue. And some of those coming here in July in just a couple months, yeah, I think there's got to be some decisions made. What all of that looks like, how it is dispersed, I even saw a little bit of the NCAA language that, yes, a player can, can you know take in some of that revenue, but it, you know, it's going to have to be shared whether that's on the team or uh, amongst the other programs. Ugh. And Danny, I think I've shared this story. And I don't, I've, I've always left out the names, and I'm going to continue to probably do that. But I remember when the NFLPA, I just remember this so vividly, and I believe it was my rookie year, sitting in there in the old Seahawks facility, and the NFLPA came, the Players Association union members. There are about three of them. And this isn't about, do you smoke weed? We told that story already. That was a um, great one. Yeah, no, this was, this was about some of the name, image, and likeness and the monies that were going to be distributed from video games. And in particular, I believe at that time, Madden, as it was starting to come out. And one of the very bright New York crossword, uh, crossword puzzle linemen kind of raised his hand and said, well, how are these monies going to be distributed if X players on the cover you know, does he see all of those millions of dollars or does that get distributed through our union, you know, through the royalties for everybody? And and the union rep up there is like, yeah, that, that that's going to go to the guy in the cover. And uh, said Lyman's like, oh, really? Then, then, then what are we doing here? And then said DB gets up and says, then maybe you shouldn't have been a big fat guy. Maybe you should have <laughs> been right. Like, <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah. And then there were just, and then it's almost broke into a fight, right? And then, like, said, Lime has to be held back. Like, just, it's just ridiculous. That's hilarious. Yes. So I share that little anecdotal story. And this is in the professional football where guys have already made their money. Of how exactly that's always going to look in these college locker rooms between all members of the team and how that gets dispersed. Work in progress. Oh. Uh. Uh, that's very, very funny. You could probably guess the names, Danny, but yeah, yeah it was it was pretty, it was pretty childish. You probably yeah. should not have been a big fat guy. Did anyone yeah. laugh? Yep. Did people laugh? Yeah. Did people laugh in the moment before it got uh, a little intense? Uh, no, I think people were like, "That's the stupidest thing you could say." And then the linemen were all up in arms, all the big fellas. <laughs> So. I, I'm sh- I'm sure in my limited experience in the locker room, once that was said, there were about people who were like, oh, and everybody's watching to see what's going to happen. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like everybody, because nobody wants to miss a fight. But hold on. Like if, they're gonna, they, if, if, if they're going to throw they were, punches. Yep. Everyone's going to be around. And I, I, but I thought these royalties were for all of us. I thought that's why we pay our union dues. I thought we're all in this union together. As I understood the language mm. and said, Lyman, again, very bright guy, knew every detail of this, had been a, a player's rep on this. But, yeah, when push comes to shove, is the moneymaker, is, uh, is the rainmaker going to be the one to, to see all of it? Or is it actually going to be dispersed? And so conversations then, now conversations in the college ranks, and those things are going to be coming more and more. Brock, we love you, man. 
those stories are just the best. I can't get enough of. Uh, I mm. think the the, the humor great. that occurs inside the locker room is some of the absolute best stuff. We'll look forward to talking to you tomorrow. I'll give you one tomorrow too. Chris Canty, yeah, I got one for you tomorrow. All right, <laughs> let's All right. go. See you, boys. We'll do that. <laughs> All right, that is Brock Heward.